This episode is supported by Inside the Breakthrough, a new history of science podcast full of did-you-know stuff like do scientists really yell Eureka? More seriously, Inside the Breakthrough mixes historical wisdom with modern insight. It's a mashup between a history show and a science show, but with a sense of humour too. Hosted by Dan Riskin, each episode has a theme, from light bulb moments when science history is made, through to 2021 being the 100th anniversary of the discovery of insulin. In an episode devoted to that story, we hear how Frederick Banting made that world-changing breakthrough on no salary, no budget, and even sold his car to feed the dogs he used in his experiments. Such is the lot of a Nobel Prize-winning scientist. Search out Inside the Breakthrough anywhere you listen to your podcasts, and we'll include a link in our show notes. Thanks very much to Inside the Breakthrough for their support. Anorexia nervosa is a cruel, complex and serious mental health condition. It involves deliberately losing weight in order to keep body weight as low as possible. The death and illness caused by the disease is as great as any of the other neuropsychiatric disorders, but there's really been very little research done on anorexia nervosa. Many people are under the misimpression that anorexia nervosa is a choice or it's a cultural phenomenon without a biological basis. And we now know that that's simply not true. It's a biologically, genetically based neuropsychiatric disorder where there are genetic changes that make certain people susceptible. That's scientist Roger Cohn from the University of Michigan. And through investigating brain circuits involved in regulating body weight and which can go awry in obesity, Roger and colleagues, along with scientists from Vanderbilt University, have now shown that activating a particular receptor called MC3 in the brains of mice encourages them to eat more whilst at the same time also suppressing fear and anxiety. And Roger thinks this has interesting implications for better understanding and hopefully one day coming up with drug treatments for anorexia. My name's Katie Haler and I spoke to Roger to find out more. One of the systems that we identified in the brain is called the melanocortin system. And there is now a drug on the market that acts on the melanocortin system for the treatment of certain rare syndromic types of obesity. Researchers all over the world quickly identified these melanocortin circuits not only stimulate food intake, but they also suppress competing motivational states. So I'm going to talk about a circuit called the AGRP circuit. The AGRP neurons in the brain are critical for the regulation of food intake. If you delete those neurons, animals quit eating and die of anorexia. If you activate those neurons, you can make animals eat voraciously, even after they've been satiated with food. And what really caught my attention was that several laboratories showed that when you activate the HRP neurons, not only will animals eat voraciously, but they will suppress fear, anxiety, and alarm in order to allow them to eat. That suggested the circuit could be useful for treating anorexia nervosa because not only do folks not eat, but they have tremendous anxiety and fear around gaining weight and around their body habitus. If we could both suppress fear and anxiety and stimulate food intake at the same time, uh, it might be an approach to finding a therapeutic for anorexia nervosa. And there are currently no successful therapeutics, pharmaceutical available for the treatment of anorexia nervosa. So how did you model this theory in your mice then? What did you do? I think it was in 2018, we discovered a receptor on the surface of the AGRP neurons that looked like it could be a drug target. In the paper, we tested the hypothesis that we could regulate these neurons 
through this receptor. And we could either turn the neurons on or turn the neurons off with a tool compound. We don't have a drug yet, but we demonstrated this receptor is potentially a drug target. Not only does this drug target stimulate food intake and suppress fear and anxiety, but you can also block the receptor and inhibit food intake. So there's potential applications to obesity as well. Do you know why you end up with this combined effect? What's going on with this receptor? Well, that gets to an interesting property, which is part of the reason why there's been so little research on anorexia nervosa. In the mouse, we have this remarkable result where we actually look at the competition of motivational states, hunger versus fear. Mice are very afraid to go out into the open. They creep around in the corners, as anybody knows who's seen a house mouse. So we have a test where we fast the mice overnight, and then we put a pellet of food in the middle of a big open field, and we use a video recording to see how willing the mice are to go out into the open space. When we do that test, what we show is when there's no MC3 receptor function, uh, we get a very different result than in a wild-type animal. So if we activate the MC3 receptor, the mice are more likely to go into the open field and to eat and ignore the fear. Will this translate to humans? We don't know. And that's why it's been so hard to study anorexia because you can't ask a mouse if it's concerned about its body weight or how it feels about its body weight, uh, whether it has anxiety over that or not. But we can do this test where we look at the competition between the fear of going into an open field and the desire to eat. And remarkably, when we block the MC3 receptor, the male mice don't seem to care. The female mice quit eating and won't go into the center. That's another aspect of this paper is that we suggest that mice that are lacking this receptor may make a relevant model for studying human anorexia nervosa because we've identified a gene that shows the same sexual dimorphism as anorexia, which in humans is, you know, 95% of cases roughly are in females. It's a disease that primarily affects women. It's really interesting that you say that because, I mean, of course, it's not just women who get anorexia, but I kind of assumed that there would be all sorts of sort of sociocultural stuff tied up in in why women might be more likely to become anorexic than men. So it's, it's interesting that you've seen a similar thing in the mice, albeit obviously the model in your mice isn't as complex as, as human anorexia and all of the factors tied up in with that. Absolutely. Ultimately, this will be need to be tested with pharmaceutical agents in patients. But you bring up a very good point, and that is that most diseases uh, result from gene-environment interactions, and they're not all genetic or all environmental. Certainly, we know that the cultural overlay plays a role in the prevalence of anorexia in cultures where there's less emphasis on a lean body type. There's a lower prevalence of anorexia. But the genetic factors are the same. There's both genetic influences and environmental influences in anorexia as well as most other diseases. Having said your model is limited in that you're talking about mice, not humans, how would you summarize what information can be gained from this study that would be useful to studying anorexia in people? We know that the melanocortin system is highly conserved between mice and humans, certainly when you look at obesity. We don't know that's the case with anorexia nervosa yet. However, the fact that the circuitry is highly conserved is compelling between mice and humans. Furthermore, this sexual dimorphism I talked about with regard to the melanocortin circuitry and anorexia-like behavior, 
In this paper, we also looked in the human hypothalamus and we discovered that there is a very significant sexual dimorphism and expression of the MC3 receptor that we're studying in humans as well as mice. Roger Cohn there, and that paper was recently published in the journal Science Translational Medicine.